Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. And welcome into another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts tonight, Matthew Betts. Joined as always by Matt Okada. Okada, man, it is officially week two, and that means we are one sixteenth of the way through oh. fantasy football. How sad no. is that? Oh, that's terrible. It's not good. But this is the problem. <laughs> there, there are very few problems with football. Okay, every other sport has got its issues. The problem with football is you you watch one group of games, and we're already like five percent done with the season. It is a sad thing indeed, but there's a lot of good things, like you said, with football. How did your week one go? Um, for fantasy, not great, to be uh, perfectly honest. <laughs> I won I won the league that I pretty much care about the most, and I won the uh, my NFL research matchup. But every other league I'm in, I lost, uh, including both Red Shirts leagues. So that wasn't great. Yes, I am with you there, unfortunately. So <laughs> listeners are currently kicking our butts. Uh, not good. We're going to have to... Have... I guess that's kind of a good thing Let for it, us. Yeah, that is know? a good thing. They're taking our that own means advice. we're doing our jobs. Yeah, yeah, taking our advice and beating us at our own game. But uh, it's fun. The league is super interactive. So it's it's a good group of people to be in a league with. And it's fun. And obviously, that's a huge part of what fantasy football is. So um, yeah, man, we didn't get a, a chance to talk about week one too much because we're doing something new this year no waiver pod because you are working like a dog at the nfl mm. network would you like to take a guess how many hours i worked yesterday oh 12 15 15 hours yes oh my lord well if i ever complain about being tired i'll remember that <laughs> um and so with that you know your schedule is super busy on sunday monday tuesday probably other days uh and that's when waivers happen so you know, most podcasts out there, you're going to hear waiver content, who to pick up, you know, what type of fab you should spend. We have a great article that's going to come out every week uh, by mm. one of our writers, Kai Brewer, uh, looking at waiver content. So if you're looking for that with us, go to redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. You can find that there. But we're going to be different than the other podcasts, Okada. You know why? Why Why is that, Bets? Because we are going to release a weekly injury recap podcast hosted mm. by yours truly. Uh, a solo pod, quick, short segment, 10 to 20 minutes max, basically giving you all the information you need to know to stay ahead of your league mates. I just did the first one this week. Awesome feedback from everyone on Twitter, so really appreciate that. Um, you know, some of those solo pods are kind of hard to gauge because you're just one person talking to a computer, but uh, hopefully you, you all find it helpful. Hopefully you can stay ahead of your league mates with this injury info. So look for that to drop uh, probably every Monday or Tuesday uh, at the start of the week, depending on what the schedule looks like. So yeah, injury content coming from every which way. We've got a lot of injuries to get into. We've got a lot of news to get into. But Okada, before we do, give me one of your biggest takeaways from week one fantasy football oh my this yeah. is a surprise pop quiz actually it's not it's on the dock but you just didn't see it <laughs> oh <laughs> but it's, it's a surprise um now. okay here's my biggest takeaway from week one bets that all takeaways from week one should be tempered drastically i like it because i feel like 
this week, maybe this happens every year and I've just forgotten, but I feel like this week one had more crazy pop-off. What the heck was that performances that are going to have people running around like maniacs trying to trade for or trade away or pick up players um, that they probably shouldn't be doing any of those things because it's been one week and we all need to calm down. So I'm actually going to get into this a little bit in one of my sits of the week. Uh, which is technically more than one because you know how I like to cheat. But oh yes, that's gonna be my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I think that's a great one. People are overreacting. People are freaking out after one week. It's football. It's an oblong-shaped ball. Weird bounces happen. Weird things happen. So see what you did there. Yeah, and I know Kent's one of his favorite sayings is "process over results," and I fully support that. So if your thought Weird. process and analysis said to play a certain player and it was a dud of a week, stick with it. It's it's going to come for sure. So I like that takeaway. My takeaway was we finally have some clarity in these backfields that are a bit crowded and uncertain, meaning... Most of them. Most of them. Some of them were still a little unsure, but we got some clarity for sure. For me, clarity 100% in the Seattle backfield. I am the biggest Rashad Penny truther there is. But he is irrelevant right now for fantasy football at this point in time. That is Chris Carson's backfield through and through. We heard it all offseason. You know, they're going to try to get this guy the ball, get some targets going his way. They delivered on that for sure. So believe that. Uh, the next one definitely uh, is the Chargers. Uh, you know, we heard maybe a split between Eckler and uh, Justin Jackson. Not even close. This is Eckler's backfield. Mm. until further notice obviously the melvin gordon situation up in the air last one then for me green bay um it pains me to say it because you and i both love aaron jones but he's probably not going to be a workhorse and it doesn't mean that jamal williams is going to steal his work it just means that snap percentages are going to be split over 40 percent of the snaps for jamal williams in that week one matchup they use him on almost all the passing down work so i, I think that happens this year limiting Jones upside. So that's my biggest takeaway from week one. But like Okada said, don't overreact to all of the information out there from the first week. We need a bigger sample size. All right, Okada, what do you say we, we get over into the news? I'm I'm happy to do that, Bets, after I ask you one quick question because the one backfield that when you that you didn't mention that when you said we got some clarity, I, I responded with mostly there's one that I feel like is a little confusing and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on the Bears and whether Mike Davis is actually going to be a problem or David Montgomery just it was his first game, so he's going to take more of a role as he goes forward. Tariq Cohen didn't get as much work as he normally does. What's going on over there? That was a weird game and very, very poor uh, play calling, in my opinion, by Matt Nagy in that one. So I think it was just you know week one. We got to chalk it up to maybe just kind of finding their groove. I do think Mike Davis is going to steal a few carries here and there, but when when you know the Bears go back and watch this tape, you yeah. have to really just own it. Like Montgomery is the is the running back of the future here. Tariq Cohen is a gadget player. I think it's a matter of time before Montgomery really becomes you know a fifteen touch guy every game. I think it was just a fluke in my opinion. So that that's what I think. What about you? Yeah, I'm on a similar page. I think it might take a little bit of time for Montgomery to take over, but. I don't think people should worry too much about Mike Davis's work in this game. And this is one of those no, don't react too much uh, kind of situations. I got great news, guys. Oh, news. Hey, news, 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 news,
it's another week. We're still talking about Antonio Brown. Gosh darn uh, Antonio. My goodness, a lot has changed since we last talked to Okada. When we last recorded, it was last Wednesday. Since then, Antonio Brown managed to get himself released from the Raiders after lots of questionable posts on social media. Managed to somehow sign with the Patriots. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there as to whether or not this was planned. But regardless, he is now a New England Patriot. And by the way, I was in Boston this weekend for the Red Sox-Yankees game at Fenway. My goodness, people were very, very excited about this guy. The stadium mm-hmm. erupted with when the news came out. So uh, people are excited in New England, that's for sure. And then from there, now there's a news accusation basically going around saying... Um, there's questions as to whether or not Antonio Brown was involved in a um, sexual uh, sexual violence or domestic violence type of situation uh, with his trainer from a few years ago. Uh, again, we're not going to really speak to that because we don't know a lot yet. He has not been convicted, still under investigation. But my gosh, what is happening with Antonio Brown? Like, Okada, help us. I don't, I don't even know what to do. What should we do? Um... It's really tough to say what to do, and honestly, it's foolish to say what to do right now because this is some 24-ish hours, if that, after we it even came out. So within the next 24 to, I don't know, 72? Is that three days? <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that many hours, we're probably going to get... Uh, a more clarification on what's going on and b potentially big uh big actions that could be taken might happen in that span for example uh antonio brown being put on the commissioner's exempt list which is something that will happen sometimes when a player is under investigation for big issues like this that the league doesn't want to you know have them out on the field for um so that if that happens it'll give us a lot of clarity that hasn't happened yet but it also hasn't been said that it won't happen. Now, what I will say is there are some reports going around on Twitter, at least, which take that for what you will, that this is a situation where this woman is trying to frame AB in order to get money. And basically there were some uh, photos or there was a person who sent some DMs with some photos of her saying that she knew this girl and that she knew that the girl was going to try to extort AB for money with this story. We don't have any idea whether that's true at all or what is true here. Uh, AB has obviously denied the allegations. Right now it's a civil lawsuit, by the way, so it's not like a, you know he's under investigation by the authorities or anything like that, Right. Um, which is also important to note. But basically, it's going to be him and this person in a court situation, potentially, unless they settle for some reason. Uh, I don't know whether or not it will affect him playing this week, but I do know that he's practicing. Which, if he's practicing, unless something comes out where he does get put on the exemplars or something like that, it's not like this case is going to be resolved in the next week. So I would probably guess that he will play. So then the million-dollar question is, for fantasy, if he's out there week one, or sorry, f- first week with the Patriots, I should say, so week two, this week, Sunday, mm-hmm. they take on the Dolphins. Obviously, the Dolphins did not put up much <laughs> of a fight against the Ravens in oh, they're bad. week one. It was not good. 
Do you risk playing AB knowing that they probably don't need him to win and it's his first week in the offense? Do you play AB this week? Without a shadow of a doubt, Betts, unless you just have a moral reason to not play him, which I can respect, although technically innocent until proven guilty, uh, yes, play him. He is Antonio Brown. He doesn't need to uh, work his way into an offense like a rookie might or a young guy uh, who needs to learn the, the exact route combos and timing and things like that in order to be successful. Antonio Brown, Tom Brady can pick a number between one and nine and say, run this route, and AB can go run it and he will get open. And Tom Brady can hit him. Moreover, the one of the kind of general concepts going around at the NFL Network right now, I need to think of a way to, to reference that. That's just easier to say, like, on the job or in the workplace. I don't know. The point is, you can there just say is at a... The network. At the network, yo. Um, <laughs> there's a thought that the game plan for this game, because they know they will win, is literally just going to be target Antonio Brown 20 times so that we can get him up to speed as quickly as possible in a game situation. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think his baseline is being decent Antonio Brown and his ceiling is as high as it ever is. So I'm 100% willing to start him if I have, which I don't. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, this kind of sounds crazy to say, but in all honesty, there's there's a possibility where this is the only time this season you can start Antonio Brown. Let's say mm. let's say these allegations are true. Again, I'm not saying they are or aren't, but let's just say they are and news comes out Monday and he does get, you know, convicted or whatever or he's on the exempt list like what if he doesn't play at all this season and you drafted him in the second or third round and this is the only time to play him like you have to play him basically this week. <laughs> um obviously, you know, uh, it's going to be a game where it's going to be absolutely just miserable to watch if you are not a Patriots fan. So, um, yeah, I would say fire him up this week for sure. Next piece of news here is also involving the Patriots. They traded Demarius Thomas to the New York Jets for a 2021 sixth-round pick. Now, part of this is injury-related, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, and part of this has to do with one of your players that we're going to talk with about in the future. So do you want to talk about this now, or do you want to talk about this when we get into those segments? Uh, we can talk about it now. I think that this is obviously a result of the AB signing from the Patriots' perspective. They barely needed Demarius Thomas as it was. In fact, they released him and then re-signed him in the first place. So it's not a big deal from their side. From the Jets' side, I think that this probably has to do more with Quincy and Nunwa than anyone else. And from that perspective, we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But for now, I don't think that it affects much of anything. I would not expect him to be a factor out of the gate. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, just injury. Obviously, he's coming off of the Achilles surgery. Looked good in the third preseason game, but still not 100%. I think anyone that's excited about this is probably mistaken. I, I don't think Demarius Thomas does anything of fantasy relevance, especially for the next two months. So, um, you know, monitor the situation, kind of watch what happens, but by no means should he be anywhere close to your starting lineup in fantasy. All right, Okada, we've got a ton of injury news to get to. Let's go ahead and kick that off. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. All right, Bess, we got to go 
rapid fire on this. So give us your brilliant insight in a speedy manner. Hunter Henry Sadface. That is what we have on the dock. And now, when I first saw the news, it was a big, big sad face. And then I saw an update that didn't seem quite as sad. So where do we stand right now? <laughs> yeah, the big sad face, probably with tears, was uh, the news initially coming out that there is a tibial plateau fracture in his knee. So what that means is basically there is a fracture or a small break in the bone and cartilage uh, inside the knee joint on your shin bone, basically. So uh, that is an injury that can be a season-ending injury. We saw this with J.J. Watt in 2017. He was out for the year. But last year, Aaron Rodgers played with a small tibial plateau fracture in his knee. If you remember getting injured in week one against the Bears, he basically dealt with that off and on all season. So the less sad face that you're referring to is probably the Adam Schefter news. You know, he coming out and saying uh, it's probably a four- to six-week recovery. So what that means is... Hunter Henry is not going to have season-ending surgery. It also tells us that he does not have a displaced fracture, meaning that it's out of alignment or that the, you know, the doctors need to go in and basically put the fracture back in place, essentially. So that's good for short-term term healing. However, people looking at this and saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers played through it, he'll be fine, that could not be further from the truth. Hunter Henry is a tight end. He has to be able to start, stop, accelerate, plant his foot in the ground and take off in the other direction. Aaron Rodgers has to drop back in the pocket, step into a throw, and that's pretty much it. And that's all he did last year. So I think four to six weeks is still very, very optimistic. And, you know, you'll hear me say this all year. Basically, you have to acclimate back into football after an injury. So even though he might be cleared to play in four to six weeks, he might take another two to three to really be himself. So, yeah, Hunter Henry, probably not season ending, but it's hard to really know exactly when he's going to be fantasy relevant again. I think it'll be quite a while. Also, just for the record, Aaron Rodgers was not very good last year after that knee injury. He, I mean, he was efficient relatively, and his TD to INT ratio was good, but it was one of the least productive years of his career from a fantasy perspective. So if that's what we got from a quarterback, to your point about him being a tight end, it's not good. Uh, speaking of tight ends, quick Thursday night football matchup between OJ Howard and Greg Olson, both showing up potentially in the injury situation here. What's going on? Yeah, OJ Howard listed on the report with an ankle injury. He's been practicing in full, so he's going to play. He just may be a little bit yeah. more limited out there. But let's not forget, you know, the last two seasons, both you know his first two in the year in the league, first two years, sent to IR with foot and ankle injuries. So. I've said this before on Twitter, and I will stand by this. No one talks about this, but this could be a Leonard Fournette type of situation for Howard moving forward, where he's battling this ankle injury, you know, for the majority of his career, and here it is again showing up. So he's going to play, but let's make sure we monitor that. Greg Olson, on the other hand, is questionable. He's currently dealing with some back pain. Unclear exactly what's going on there from a diagnosis, but regardless, if you're counting on Greg Olson, make sure you monitor tomorrow's um, news and definitely have a backup plan in place. All right. I'm going to give you a name and you're going to give me the rundown for the next several guys. Ready? Hit it. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon currently dealing with a low ankle sprain. Probably will play this week with a brace and or tape. Lateral movements will be affected, but he should still play this week. Is Giovanni Bernard an important pickup? I would think so. 
I think as of okay. now, he is. And if he plays without Joe Mixon, start him with confidence. All right, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is going to be fine. He's going to practice this week, dealing with an ankle sprain as well. Um, probably won't be quite as mobile outside of the pocket, but he'll still be Patrick Mahomes. Sounds good. We kind of buried the lead here. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. This is the big one. Dealing with a sternoclavicular is the name of the injury. Of course. Uh, which, you know, we'll just say SC from now on because that's easier to say. Is, is that the connection between your clavicle and your sternum? Yeah, dude, look at you. Let's go! So smart. You must have been listening to the injury pod on Monday. <laughs> uh, I did break that down in more detail there, so we can be quick about it here. Um, if you want more information, go back, check it out. Basically, the the bones that connect there to form that little tiny joint at your clavicle and your sternum, um, there's a lot of really important structures behind there. It's, it's very close to your throat, so you have... You know, you have your uh, your esophagus, your trachea, your major blood vessels to your heart. So if there's any dislocation backwards, which happened to Tyreek Hill, it can permanently damage those really important structures and actually be life-threatening. So that's why he was taken to the hospital. Fortunately, none of that was injured. They basically put the clavicle back in place. And then from there, it's a matter of rest, recovery, letting things heal, and then gradually getting back into game shape. So uh, for Tyreek, you know, probably closer to six weeks until we see him again on the field. Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is going to be out multiple weeks dealing with a high ankle sprain. The team pretty much said right away, you know, we're concerned about Tevin Coleman. That tells you all you need to know. It's going to be a multi-week absence, probably upwards of three to four weeks. Is Matt Breida an RB2 for you this week? He is. I currently have him at RB21. I have him at 23. Uh, Mike Williams. Yeah, this one's a little bit unclear. So, you know, I'll put out my weekly injury report article every Saturday morning. But basically, look for more information there. Right now, we don't have too much information. Um, he left the game early in the fourth quarter. Kind of went down weird, like a weird tackle, grabbed at his knee, and then later told reporters his knee was like tightening up on him, which doesn't really seem to fit the injury so no details yet from the chargers um really you know just a situation to monitor i truly don't know what's going on with mike williams darius geis oh this kid man i feel so bad for darius geis yeah acl troubles on the opposite knee now a new meniscus injury on the other knee um you know the team is still kind of deciding what they want to do from a medical perspective there's two options one is go in and trim the meniscus, basically just take out a little tiny piece. He'll be back little in about snip, th- snip. Say that again. A little snip snip. A little snip snip. A little snip snip from that meniscus. Uh, <laughs> or uh, actually go in and repair it. And if they do that, he's going to be out for the year. So it's either going to be a few weeks or it's going to be a full season lost again for Darius Guys. Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah, Juju left really late in the game with a toe injury, had x rays on it, came back clean. Um, this is going to be a situation again where I think he plays, but we've talked about it with AJ Green. That big toe is so important for push off for wide receivers. So you may not see Juju accelerate off the line the way that he normally does. Sterling Shepard. Shepard's in the concussion protocol, did not practice on Wednesday. So watch what happens later in the week. Big for Evan Ingram, potentially. Devin Funches. We can talk about these next two. Devin Funches, Nick Foles. Uh, together Mm. both same injury yeah both fractured their clavicle or their collarbone both having surgery both put on ir to return in about eight weeks 
How viable is Gardner Minshew in two QB leagues for you right now? Well, did you see him on the podium? Uh, Talking about his IQ or his Wonderlick score? Yes, and his awesome mustache. Yes, of course. So that course. definitely puts him in my starting lineup. Uh, <laughs> no, I I don't want any part of that, honestly. Um, we, it was already a questionable receiving court as is. Now you have a rookie coming in who, yeah, he lit it up against the Chiefs, but I think that's just the fact that the Chiefs secondary is not good. Not good. Uh, not good. Not good. So I would, I would stay away from Minshew. All right. Fair enough. That wraps it up. Let's bounce right into... A little hit from Trophy Smack, Bets. Yes, our best friends. Trophy Smack is so great, dude. I, I love them. They now have come out with loser trophies after week one. So Whoa. if your league has a you know a winner trophy, which we've been telling you to get all off season, um, it's time to get a loser trophy now because someone's gonna finish in last place and they need to have it rubbed in their face that they are not good at fantasy football. That's what you have to do. Um, and if you want to get one of those trophies or get a new belt uh, or winning trophy, which those are fantastic, uh, go to their website, trophysmack.com. Use the promo code REDSHIRTS when you check out, and you get a free ring with your purchase. So a pretty sweet deal there. Yeah, it really is, and everybody should take part in it who hasn't already. All right, let's get into the starts of the week, bets. It is time. Week two, we have now have an entire... Week, 60 minutes of football data in 2019 to base these decisions off of. How exciting. <laughs> so much research. <laughs> uh, I'm really liking your pick because it's quite the opposite of last week. Uh, who's your QB, QB, your quarterback start of the week? Yeah, my QB almost let you down last week. Uh, Matt Ryan came back ended up with a decent fantasy week but it was all junk garbage time uh, production so this week I actually do like him a lot going up against my barely want to know Philadelphia Eagles he gets to go back home we know how much better that offense is when they're at home in the dome and they're going up against a defense and, and I'll be the first to tell you because I watch a lot of Eagles games and I watch you know a lot of coverage on them their secondary is questionable and very suspect, namely Rasul Douglas getting burned left and right. You've got Ronald Darby coming off of an ACL from last year, so you know he's probably not at his peak performance. I think this offense is going to light it up against the Eagles. Unfortunately, it pains me to say, but I think Matt Ryan is in for a good week. This secondary just gave up 380 yards and three touchdowns to Case freaking Keenum mm. and Terry McLaurin last week like <laughs> like uh, how Matt Ryan doesn't come out and smash this week uh is beyond me so I love him this week he's my start of the week yeah just for the record Julio Jones has 100 yards in five straight games against the Eagles 100 or more he's averaged 116 against them in his career it's disgusting he absolutely owns them so if, if he pops off Ryan pops off I like it uh, my pick is going to have a similar uh, reasoning behind it, which is the opposing defense's week one performance. Sam Darnold faces the Browns on Monday Night Football. And I I believed in the Browns' defense before the year started. I still think they have a lot of talent. But when Marcus Mariota beats you for 248 yards and three touchdowns, You've got some questions to answer, and that's what happened to the Browns in week one. 
that defense got trounced for 43 points overall. Uh, yeah, it was the culmination of Nat Gid bets. And I believe in Sam Darnold. I think that I think the talent is there. I think that he's got some interesting weapons. Jamison Crowder is not, you know, the most incredible receiver on the planet, but when he gets peppered with targets like that, he can sort of be a Jarvis Landry light type of player. So he had 99 yards in week one on 14 catches. That's solid. And then Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield is okay. Robbie Anderson had a bad week in week one, but I think that against a defense uh, that, that can get torched the way that the Browns did, Robbie can get some big plays and make Darnold look much better than he did in week one. So I'm willing to throw him out there right in the end of QB1 range. So where do you have him ranked this week? Ooh, where do I have him ranked this week? Let's check on that right quick. 13 ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, and who is he right behind? Uh, Baker Mayfield in the same game. Interesting. Okay, you're you're pretty high on, on Darnold this week for sure then. I don't think I'm quite that high. I think I've got Darnold at like 17. So um, I don't know that I'm as comfortable rolling him out there because like you said, I still believe in that Cleveland defense. You know, Monday Night Football, hopefully they figure it out in prime time. But yeah, if you're, uh, if you're feeling that good about Darnold, then maybe I should revisit my rankings. I mean... I also have Darnold in multiple leagues. I'm probably slightly biased. Oh, really. yeah. That, the, dude, that's There's so no real. bias here. <laughs> I found that when doing research, too. I'm like, well, that's, that doesn't really count because, you know, this reason <laughs> or that reason. And then I realize I have that guy on, like, six rosters. So that definitely oh, comes man. into it for sure. All right. Let's – I will go ahead and slip us over to the running back start of the weeks then because uh, there's clearly some bias here in the fact that I am taking Sony Michelle of the New England Patriots – Psych, there's no bias because they're playing the Dolphins. Oh my gosh, Betts. You mentioned it at the top. This Dolphins team is possibly the one of the worst we've seen in recent years. Last year's Cardinals are certainly up there. But oh my goodness, did they get annihilated by the Baltimore Ravens in week one. Uh, Mark Ingram had 107 yards rushing and two touchdowns. I don't even know the first name of the A. Levine that I'm looking at in the stat sheet. Probably Adam Levine had <laughs> 60 yards on a single carry. Maroon 5 And Gus Edwards had, had 56 <laughs> on 17. Um, they got destroyed by the Ravens running backs and the entire rest of the team for that matter. So, uh, and, and, okay, so the main issue with obviously starting Sony Michelle aside from the fact that he's playing a great team, so that's nice. The main point to address is the divvy up of carries in the Patriots' backfield. Obviously, we saw Rex Burkhead get a little bit more work than we would have liked in Week 1, but I will say that in the fourth quarter, when the game was well in hand, it was Sony Michelle who was getting most of the garbage time work, and I expect this game to be well in hand from about six minutes in, I would say. Oh, under. So... Under. Yeah, under. Okay, you're taking the under on that? That's pretty fair. Kickoff. Um, yeah, th and there's no way he gets 14 yards on 15 carries again, which is what happened in week one. It was baffling. So he, there's no way he gets less than 15 carries. I think he probably is closer to 20. He gets a, he, there's, I'm assuming he puts up something closer to three or four yards per carry, which is still not the best. But even if he does that and he and he gets in the end zone one time, which is likely, he's a very startable asset. And I think that's all of that is pretty much his floor. Yeah, I mean, how can you argue against that? This season, you know, 
you just said at the top of the show, don't overreact to what happened in week one, but I'm firing up every single running back this season against Miami without question. So love that call. And actually, you know, one of our writers, uh, Jake uh, Hripp, is a, a big guy on uh, on starts of the week for us and starts and sits. And he writes that article every week, and he puts Sonny Michelle as a start. So I know he's with you. I know I'm with you. Mm. How can anyone argue against Sonny Michelle against the Dolphins? So I love it. Very intelligent writer. Uh, all right. Well, you are going with the running back who just torched the Dolphins. That's all kinds of connections here. Yeah, it's almost like we're pros at this or something, which mm. uh, we did not plan. But... Yeah, that's Mark, that's Mark Ingram. You just said it, man. Lit up the Dolphins last week. This week, he gets another fantastic matchup uh, at home against the Arizona Cardinals, traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast. The defense for Arizona, like you said, it is probably improved from last year, but it is still quite bad. Uh, terrible, I will even say. And I think the <laughs> volume is going to be there once again for Ingram. Positive game script, so in the you know third and fourth quarter, they're probably going to be trying to run the clock down, giving him plenty of workload. Um, last last week, you know, Karrion Johnson didn't do a ton on the ground, but as a team, they gave up 116 yards on the ground. So I do think Mark Ingram's in for another 90 to 100 yards again, probably finds the end zone. So, yeah, you've had Mark Ingram in week one, fire him up again in week two. I'll tell you what, man. It's really hard to tell how good the Ravens actually are because they played the Dolphins. But if they're even half as good as they were in week one, Mark Ingram is going to have the year that we both thought he would, which is a great year, helping that team pound their way to victories over and over and over. So, love it. Okada, do we have a breaking news button? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yes. This just in, Adam Schefter tweeting, As if the Hunter Henry injury weren't problematic enough, Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn said today he is concerned about wide receiver Mike Williams' knee as well. So we talked Uh. about it and saying, you know, there's not many details. I think the team is evaluating him more. I would not be surprised to see him come down with a meniscus injury. Poop. Man, is there... Well, that sucks for us, Beth. Is there any team that's as unlucky as the Chargers? Um, The Redskins, I would have to say. That's true. More importantly, Betts, when are you going to invent some kind of uh, cyber knee that every football player can wear so that we can stop dealing with all these dang knee injuries? That's actually a really good call. I sh- Dude, I could retire. Yeah, big facts. All right, well, I'll get started on that as soon as we're done recording. Okay, well, while you get started on that, I will get started on the start of the week at wide receiver because I mentioned him about five minutes ago. It's Jamison Crowder. Uh, I'm going with the stack, the jet stack at QB wide receiver. Bets, do you know, could you tell me perhaps who led the entire NFL in both targets and receptions in week one? Mm, If I had to guess, and this is totally just random knowledge, Mm -hmm. you know, sure, out of nowhere. No judgment. I have to go Jameson Crowder. Wow. Wow. Right on point, Bets. Let's go. You're incredible. Yeah, 17 targets and 14 catches for Jamison Crowder for 99 yards. Wow, 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 wow. Um, There's a few things, and I mentioned at the top, that you don't want to overreact to in week one. Things like Marquise Brown scoring the two massive touchdowns he did on, I think, four total targets. 
that's a little bit more questionable. When a guy gets 17 targets for your team, that's something you need to pay attention to. That means that Sam Darnold loves targeting Jamison Crowder. He was very effective with those targets. Uh, so we know that it it works for the team. Um, and he's been, Jamison Crowder has been good when he's gotten targets in the past. With the Redskins, he was a viable fantasy player, especially in PPR. So this seems like a kind of situation where Jamison Crowder could well be on his way to maybe closing in on 100 catches this year. In PPR, he's going to be very, very valuable. In non-PPR, it's much, I would say, much less. Uh, he's much less of a stud there. So it really does depend on your setting. He's going to be, like I mentioned, kind of a Jarvis Landry type player. But I'm 100% willing to invest this week and afterwards if he wasn't owned or uh, and you didn't pick him up and he's still out there, which is highly doubtful, go get him. But I would also be willing to trade for him potentially depending on the price um he's gonna be he's gonna be great for PPR throughout this entire year I mean AJ Brown had 100 yards on three catches for the Titans last week against the Browns so I think he I think he can go off 10 catches again within reason yeah I mean you, you just have to look back at how Adam Gase used Jarvis Landry in their time together in Miami and you know Crowder obviously playing the vast majority of his um you know, his time is in the slot. So I think you could see a very, very similar situation play out here this season, and it was already on display week one. Yeah, man, I buy it. I don't think he gets 17 targets every week, but yeah, certainly like seven catches kind of feels like his floor, doesn't it? So I think, yep. yeah, I think that's that's a scenario that we can buy into and really use to our advantage here, like you said, especially in PPR formats. So I like that call. All righty. Who's your guy, Betts, at the wide receiver position? Yeah, for me, I'm going over to over to Oakland, which I didn't think I'd be saying much of this year because we're, you know, question marks all, all across the board as to how the offense will be with that Antonio Brown. But Tyrell Williams looked good on Monday Night Football. Five, uh, oh, sorry, six receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. And the offense just in general to the eye test, I mean, they're moving the ball all over the place against the Broncos. And now, obviously, with A.B. out of town, there are so many targets up for grabs or, you know, targets that would have been there for AB that are up for grabs. And Derek Carr showed a propensity to actually push the ball downfield, which is what we've been wanting from him for so long. He did it. Tyra Williams benefited. And now he gets to face Kansas City this week, who gave up mm. almost 350 yards to Nick Foles for one quarter and Gardner Minshew, a rookie off the bench. Are you kidding me? Mm. Like, uh. Uh, uh, I mean... At this point, Okada, oh, wow. I would suspect that you could go out and catch ten balls for a hundred yards against the Chiefs. So I mean, I am very talented at catching passes. An elite athlete, know. I would say. So yes. yeah, man, fire up fire up your Tyrell Williams. I mean, the best thing about this situation is there's no doubt the Chiefs put up points. They're gonna have to play catch up in Oakland. I think Tyrell Williams definitely produces this week. I've got him as a wide receiver too. Yeah, you made a sleeper call of Tyrell Williams throughout the offseason several times. Now, I feel like you kind of lucked into a bigger result than you expected with A.B. leaving. But Tyrell Williams, to your point, looked really good. Like, he just didn't get the targets and make some production. He looked like a very good receiver who can be a number one for this team. So, 
I'm I'm very confident in him moving forward. The the, the year he was a starter for the Chargers, he had uh 1059 yards and seven touchdowns when Keenan Allen was injured. I could easily see him doing that this year. And if he does, he's 100% a wide receiver two all year long. And this is a great matchup. So love the pick. Uh, all right, let's hop over to tight end. Who you got at tight end? I'm going back to the well. If you listen to the week one preview show, my start of the week was Mark Andrews. And I'm not I'm not changing. He's still my start mm, of the week. This Very weekend. creative. Uh, it was a success last week. Eight receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. Um, you know, again, Miami defense... You have to really question whether or not that's going to happen every week for him. I don't think that type of production is going to happen all year long, but certainly this week it could. They're going up against the Arizona Cardinals at home, who just absolutely got torched by TJ Hawkinson last week. Over 130 yards on a touchdown for Hawkinson, who's a rookie. So Mark Andrews, a guy who has some experience in this league, obviously in year two, um, the athletic profile is there for him. Great hands, great pass catcher. Another plus matchup. If you started him in week one, you've got him again. Go ahead and play him. Yeah, I'm curious, Betts, how long you can maintain this Mark Andrews start of the week thing before he becomes such an elite stud that it doesn't even make sense to pick him anymore, you know? Because he's moving up. I'm making my start of the week for 16 straight weeks. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm going to pick a slightly less likely candidate, and it's going to be... Redskins starting tight end. I'm not going to say the name yet because I don't know who it is. If it's Jordan Reed, which I believe is in the concussion protocol. Is that correct? He still is in the protocol, yes. Last week he was trending in the right direction, so I would think he probably does play in week two. Okay, so if he does, it's going to be Jordan Reed. If not, I'm willing to take a shot on Vernon Davis. He had a good week for fantasy in week one, 59 yards and a touchdown on a beast of a touchdown absolutely insane he is possibly the most like the ratio between athleticism and age for him is possibly higher than anyone else in the league he is a monstrosity still so i'm willing to run him out there against the cowboys this week who got torched by evan ingram in week one who uh, to be fair is evan ingram so it's not too surprising he's very very good 116 yards and a touchdown for ingram but I think that the Redskins are going to rely on their tight end, whichever one it is, and maybe Terry McLaurin because he had a great week one. But that that's one of those things where he's a rookie. He had a couple big plays. Don't get too overexcited necessarily, although I do like him more than some of the other rookies that flashed. Uh, but I do think that the tight end will be a big outlet for Case Keenum in this game and moving forward. So watch the injury report for whoever is starting between these two guys, and that will be my pick. Uh, all right, the most crucial of all starts of the week, bets before we get into our sits, the DSTs. Who are you willing to run out on defense this week for fantasy? If the New England Patriots are somehow still a free agent in your league, run, do not walk to the waiver wire, and grab them immediately. The Patriots get to take on the Dolphins this week, and then you can start them for the next five weeks after this. This is the schedule. This week at Miami. Next week, home against the Jets. The following week at Buffalo. The following week at Washington. Then home against the Giants. Then on the road against the Jets again. Oh my gosh. What? Like That's legitimately the start to an undefeated season, in my opinion, for the Patriots. Um... 
you know, all bad offenses, all question marks at the quarterback position, lots of turnover potential, lots of, you know, opportunity for sacks. So, yeah, I think the Patriots are probably going to be my either first or second ranked defense every single week for the next month and a half. Not kidding at all about that. Yeah, that seems pretty fair. Um, it's going to be destructive. So we've got anytime you can get a running back and a defense together, you want to do that. And I've got their running back as my start. And you've got their defense as my start or your start. So I'm very much on board. Um, I'm going to go ahead, bets, and for my start of the week, take the your last week's sit of the week in the Jacksonville Jaguars, which they got torched by the Chiefs. Uh, for the most part. So that was a good call. And this week they're playing the Texans, which seems like a great offense. So you may be wondering, Okada, why why would you do this? We just saw the Jaguars get torched by Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson's not quite Mahomes, but he's pretty close. Not necessarily false, whoever's asking that question. However, Deshaun Watson is also very familiar with the ground where his butt Seems to spend half the game. Oh my gosh, did the Texans fail to improve this offensive line this offseason. Six times he was sacked, which is one short of his uh, game high last season when he led the entire league, uh, if you can call it that, with 62 sacks. Even if they don't get a pick or an interception or anything else exciting that you would want for your fantasy defense, if you're going to get five or six sacks, which the Jaguars' defensive line is 100% capable of doing, you're going to be a startable fantasy team. And as usual, the Jaguars are still capable of pulling off uh, a takeaway here and there as well. So I know the Texans' offense is good, and they will probably put up some points, but when you have the baseline of sacks that they are going to give up on a weekly basis, I am willing to start... A lot of defenses, certainly one as good as the Jaguars. Yeah, if you would have put this on the dock, you know, last week saying, okay, in, in week two, I'm going to start a defense against the Texans, I would have said, that seems foolish. Okada, what are you doing? But if you watch Monday Night Football, you saw the Saints get after Watson over and over and over again. Yeah, they did not upgrade this offensive line the way we had hoped. I agree. I think the sacks will be there. I do think there'll probably be a defense that doesn't really score in the top three or four on the week, but. When you're looking back at you know startable defenses come the end of week two, I think they'll be like 10 to 12. So, yeah, I, I can't argue there, especially if you're stuck and you don't know who to play. Jaguars, a sneaky start this week. Also, very quickly, we didn't mention it up top, but are you at all concerned about Deshaun Watson with the apparent pain he was experiencing? Um, not necessarily. So that basically started when he uh, had his touchdown run, kind of flipped into the end zone, landed hard on his like lower back and hip, um, mostly just a pain tolerance type of thing. I suspect he was pretty sore the next two or three days after that, but he should be fine. Mobility still, you know, normal uh, for him this week. So not really any concern for me. Okay. Well, with that, let's bounce into the sits of the week. And bets. I really don't want to let you start it off, but I have to. Go ahead. Like We have to preface this, okay? So you can't rebuttal this because we don't have enough time. Is that fair? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, just well, kidding. Well, then can I... Okay, yes, go ahead. You can say a little bit. I will not want. rebuttal. My sit of the week is Kyler Murray. Okada is extremely upset right now. You should see how red his face is. Uh, obviously, he loves Murray. This week, I do not. Going on the road in his first game on the road of his NFL career, 
against Baltimore, who has arguably one of the deepest secondaries in the league. Um, and last week, it was a little rough. Would you say Okada in the first half? In the first half, it was. Yes. It was. He it looked was good in the, the second best. half. But what I was surprised about is he didn't really rush the ball like we had said maybe he would um, You know, this year. Just three rush attempts for 13 yards, which for Murray, based off his college tape and his skill set, is extremely low. This week, I don't think that changes. I still, I'm still on Murray long-term for the rest of the season. But this week, going on the road against a very good secondary in Baltimore, um, I feel nervous about Kyler Murray this week, man. I have him as like my quarterback 21, I think. So I'm off of Kyler Murray this week. What say you? Well, oh, two things. Very quickly, bets. Number one, I was not on the clock at work when the second half was happening because I was working the Sunday night game, but I was sitting in my chair at work watching the game and falling out of my chair with Kyler Murray's second half comeback. Oh my goodness, was that exciting. <laughs> Number two, you said that his very low rush attempts was extremely low, I think was your wording. My adjective would be extremely stupid. Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know if he just has not had a rushing quarterback of this caliber, so he doesn't know what to do with him, but he needs to get Kyler Murray on the run on design plays and make use of Kyler's legs because that will open up the entire offense besides the fact that he'll just have success every time he does run. So I am strangely in agreement with you for now until we see Kyler break out that rushing baseline. In a matchup this tough, I'm willing to sit him. But Kingsbury needs to figure that out right quick and get him on the move. Okada, one more time. Breaking news drop. Matt Okada just said a negative thing about Kyler Murray oh on the Red Shirts podcast. Breaking news <laughs> right here. I never thought I'd I see mean, the day. Me, I, I'm more blaming Cliff, but Kyler does need to get himself out of the pocket and run around <laughs> and use those legs. All right. I will bounce over to my uh, quarterback sit of the week. Bets, we have uh, QB qualifiers when we do stats for the NFL Network and pretty much anybody. You have to meet a certain number of attempts per game or attempts per season when you want to talk about qualified quarterbacks. So you can say things like, you know, this guy led the league in passer rating among qualified quarterbacks and Odell Beckham doesn't show up with a perfect passer rating on his two attempts. Kirk Cousins is not a qualified quarterback after week one. There are 31 qualified quarterbacks in the league because Kirk Cousins had 10 attempts. Ex excuse me? That's all he had mean? in week one. That is absurd. 10 passing attempts for 98 yards and a touchdown, and they won 28 to 12. This is a problem, Betts. It's, it's a problem that I was hammering all offseason when I was trying to beef up and support Dalvin Cook, that I expected the entirety of the Vikings offense to shift with the offensive coordinator changes they made at the end of last season. And we saw it here, and it worked. They ran the ball 38 times, and they passed the ball 10 times. And that does not bode well for Kirk Cousins at all. Going up against the Packers in Week 2, which in previous years you might have thought, that's a pretty good matchup. It's going to be a shootout, right? 
Well, one of the other things I was hammering in the offseason is that I think the Packers' defense is going to be very good, and they're going to be the Super Bowl team from the NFC. And in week one, their defense looked very, very good. Now, Mitchell Trubisky, not very good. (laughs) So not that hard to look good against him. But the Packers' defense was very good, and I think that they will be good moving forward. They have a lot of talent. They did a great job shoring it up in the offseason. So I do not like Kirk Cousins on the road against the Packers in this game. I He will pass more than 10 times. I will, I'll will take the over on that one, Bet I would hammer the over on that. <laughs> but I, I am not willing to trust him as my fantasy starter until I see big, big changes, and I don't know if we'll ever see them this year. Yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely better days ahead for Kirk Cousins, for sure. Of course. But, yeah, I mean, the eye test from week one, the defense is definitely upgraded in Green Bay. Like you said, now going on the road, I think Kirk Cousins has an okay day, maybe finishing in the realm of like 15 to 17 come the end of the week. But, you know, if that's what he's going to put up, there's many, many other options I would prefer. So I agree with you. If I can sit Kirk Cousins, I would. All right, let's bounce it over to the running backs. Um, I'll tell you what, you you kick it off, bets because you've got a player in the game that we were just talking about as your running back set of the week. Yeah, we talked about it at the top of the show with you know clarity in these backfields, and we had some clarity in Green Bay. I talked about the situation. My sit of the week is Aaron Jones against the Vikings defense for two reasons. One is the matchup. If you watched week one, just the eye test, the Vikings defensive line absolutely manhandled the offensive line of the Atlanta Falcons. Devonta Freeman could not get anything going on the ground. Uh, I think it was eight rush attempts for 19 yards. 19 yards. yards. So, yeah, I mean, this defensive front is just so good. There's concerns about Aaron Jones' usage now for me in the passing game, which if that would be there, it could certainly elevate his floor. We only saw one reception in week one from Aaron Jones. Um, Yeah, it's so hard because you drafted him in probably the third or fourth round of your drafts, and it's almost like you should just automatically start him. But if there's any way to sit him this week, I would. I don't see a situation where he comes out with more than double-digit fantasy points this week. Just a situation I want no part of against the Vikings. Yeah, very disappointing for me to have to agree with this because I was very high on Aaron Jones, but I agree that the the combo of what the backfield split seems to be for now and the Vikings defense just makes this a really bad situation. Uh, Continuing our streak of incredible transitions bets, I will... Name of my running back start of the week, Devontae Freeman, the guy that you were just talking about in his massive week one struggles against the Vikings. Now, of course, there's a bit of a chicken and the egg situation going on here between the two of us. Um, But I'm going to say it's a little bit of both for Freeman, both the good defense of the Vikings and the bad play uh, from the offensive line and from him. Nobody could get it going for the Falcons in the rushing game. And they, if they were coming up against a nice, juicy matchup, I'd say, hooray for a bounce back. I believe in it. But unfortunately, they're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, who have had a great run defense for years now. Uh, we saw 13 combined carries from the Redskins running backs for only 28 yards in week one against the Eagles. Is not good. So unfortunately, I'm sitting Devontae Freeman for now. Um, he could certainly still have a good game. He's a running back who can, you know, do things uh, as a pass catcher and can be a can score if they get down to the red zone. But 
I expect this to be more of a pass, pass, and more pass shootout between these two teams. And with the the Falcons' O-line struggles versus the probably equally as good as the Vikings, if not better, Eagles' defensive line, this is just a bad combo, and I'm going to try to sit him if I can. Yeah, there is a league that I have where these are my two starting running backs. So, <laughs> Oh, you hate to see that. I am going to be hitting the waiver wire hard this week because I agree with you. I'm nervous about this matchup for Freeman. You know, you just said how good that defensive line is. The only way I think he has success is if he gets utilized more in the passing game. We saw Chris Thompson last week uh, do a little bit of damage through the air. So that's the only way Freeman has success for me this week. Um, yeah, I want to stay away from both of these guys. All right, Bess, let's hop over to the wide receivers. I'll tell you what, I'll go first on my sit of the week, and I will begin by adding an S to the word sit because I'm going with sits of the week, as I am prone to do. And I am naming the young, flashy, deep threat wide receivers from week one as my sits of the week. Uh, Primarily Marquise Brown and DJ Chark, who both had huge weeks. Listen, guys. Marquise Brown looked amazing. Uh, He looked bets healthy, which I was surprised to see. But he did all of his massive damage on only five targets. Uh, I'm not willing to trust it yet. I want to see several more games of consistent production. Marquise Brown was always going to potentially be a Deshaun Jackson kind of player. And we saw Deshaun Jackson kind of weak in week one. But it... After those weeks, Deshaun Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson will often have weeks with two catches for 10 yards. And I am concerned that that could be the case. For Marquise Brown, DJ Chark, similar situation. John Ross is another one. His situation might be a little bit different because he did get big targets. And with AJ Green out, it's possible that he is going to get consistent targets for this team. Um, he had seven catches for 158 yards and two touchdowns on 12 targets, which obviously is incredible and makes you want to start him for sure in week two. I can almost guarantee you he will be f- far short of those numbers. He still may be viable, but I wouldn't consider him a wide receiver two. He's more of a flex for me. Uh, the one possible exception t- it might be Terry McLaurin moving forward, who had also a very explosive week. Uh, this one I I don't hate because, as you may recall, Betts, I called Terry McLaurin a, a sleeper coming into this season because I believe he could lead the Redskins, be the leading receiver for that team. That is what he was in week one. So I, I'm i okay rolling Terry. Uh, he's still a flex play, similar to all these guys, as opposed to a wide receiver two or anything like that. But from, I guess, a waiver wire standpoint, I'm interested in Terry McLaurin. But I don't want to start any of these guys if I can help it. Yeah, man, I 100% agree with you. If you're, you know, if your league is very hyped on these guys, I would sell high on all these players, in my opinion, because, you know, there's injury concerns with, like you said, Marquise Brown. I think he only played like 12 snaps. That was part that's of correct. Yeah, that's that was part of the plan with him is to slow play him this you know in in his rookie season as he comes back from the foot injury um so yeah if you're expecting this type of production you will be very disappointed john ross is a guy who has not stayed healthy at all and one of his long bombs came against that seahawks free safety that mistimed his jump horribly um yeah man i I agree with you i want to stay away from these guys and i would probably even stay away from terry mclaurin this week personally but i'm intrigued to see what happens there with him 
All right, you've got uh, you've got another half of the most difficult wide receiver. I don't want to call it a backfield, but it's not a backfield core uh, going into this year. Geronimo Allison versus MVS. You're sitting one of them. Which one is it? Yeah, I mean, it's without question Geronimo Allison. Um, this was the debate, like you said, all offseason. You were team Geronimo. I was back and forth, basically just willing to kind of wait and see what happens. And I think week one told us a lot. And it's not about the targets. It's not about the usage in terms of the passing game. Because when you just look at the raw stats, obviously, MVS had more. Whereas Geronimo uh, had one target and no receptions. So that's really not it for me. It's it's the snaps, the offensive snaps. MVS was out there for 41. Geronimo was out there for 30. So this is not the player you want as the wide receiver two for Aaron Rodgers. It's a terrible matchup like we talked about already with the Vikings and their secondary. So, yeah, for me, there's absolutely no way I can put Geronimo Allison in my lineup. I think he's probably still worth holding on to to see what happens for another week or two. But if by like week three or four he's not producing, obviously you have to drop him. Yeah, I will say the Packers' start to the season from a fantasy perspective is just so rough. They got the Bears, Vikings, Broncos, Eagles, Cowboys – before things start to clear up a little bit. So I don't really know what to do with that. Like, I don't think you can hold guys like this that long and then hope to get something out of them. Maybe you can try to trade uh, for them if someone else has still held on to them. But for now, I, I can definitely respect the sit there. Uh, all right, moving over to tight end. Betts, why don't you kick us off with this one? For sure. Mine is going to be a guy that I just want to caution people on because of the way fantasy platforms list the opponent so what i mean by that is when you go onto your app most of the time there's either a green a red or a yellow uh color next to the player's name in regards to the matchup and what that refers to is the amount of fantasy points that defense gives up against whatever the position is so for this week it's tight end noah fant has a green color next to his name because he's going up against the chicago bears who gave up a touchdown last week to Jimmy Graham. So on the surface, you might be looking for a streamer. Maybe you had Hunter Henry. Uh, you need to pick up someone and play right away. This is not the guy to play because that was the flukiest touchdown I have ever seen. And Aaron Rodgers literally just chucks it up into the end zone. Jimmy Graham is covered by someone else. Somehow plucks it out of the air and comes down with it. But that's all he did in the game. So Noah fan, a rookie Playing with Joe Flacco, not a great matchup, despite what it tells you on your your fantasy football platform app. Stay away from Noah Fant, probably for this week and beyond, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, my guy is not going to be the guy I have written down, Bets. I am going to pivot to my Ooh, start of the surprise. week from last week. Yes, Jared Cook, uh, who I don't actually have his numbers in front of me. Let's pull that up really quick, shall we? Uh, last week he had Jared Cook had two catches on three targets for 37 yards against the Texans. Not ideal, uh, for sure. Unfortunate for my start of the week call. There, it was my starts of the week were bailed out by other players, <clears throat> Austin Eckler. <laughs> um, but that was not a great start for Jared Cook in this new uh situation. And this week the Saints are going up against the Rams who in week one 
And again, small sample sizes don't go too crazy. But in week one, uh, Panthers tight ends were targeted 10 times bets. That is the third most in the league, tied for the third most in the league in, in last week. But they only had four catches for 36 yards, which is not, uh, I believe, not good. No, that is not so, good. Yeah, they, they've they got good safeties on that team. I believe that they can defend the tight end position well. Um, and until I see Jared Cook fitting into this offense better and being a better, more, a, a reliable weapon, let's say, for Drew Brees, I think I'm going to have to go ahead and slip him just outside of my tight end one range uh, whenever I can. And this seems like a situation to do that. Obviously, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, they're going to be leading the team as far as targets. Ted Ginn looked very good in week one for the Saints. So this is possible he's a number three, which bumps Jared Cook all the way down to number four. And I'm not, I'm just really not wanting to, to go ahead and start him if I can help it. Now, if he's your only tight end, he's probably still better than the majority of guys out there. So it's really tough to sit a tight end to pick a tight end sit. Um, but for, if possible, mine's going to be Jared Cook. Yeah, it is really tough to pick these sits because you know the the position just isn't very deep as it is. So when we're telling guys, telling you all to sit, guys, it's mostly temper expectations, uh, which I think is the perfect scenario here for Jared Cook. So I find it kind of hard to see a scenario where a better player is available for you to put in your tight end spot. But I agree, temper your expectations. Maybe if you were relying on Cook, look for more of a high upside type of flex play. Maybe a Terry McLaurin in the flex uh, to kind of boost your stats there. Mm. So yeah, temper those expectations. I don't see a big week for cook coming this week. All right, let's close it out. Bets with the defenses slash special teams is that we are sitting in week two. Who do you got? Yeah, for me, I'm going to sit down the Seattle Seahawks defense for a few reasons. One is they're going from the West coast to the East coast, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers, so obviously uh, a big time difference there. Last week, the the holes in the Seattle defense really showed. They're still pretty good up front, but that secondary got absolutely obliterated by John Ross, who I thought I would never say that, and Andy Dalton <laughs> last week. This week... Who had the most passing yards in the league, by the way. Yes, over 400 and yeah, he leads the NFL passing. This <laughs> week, they go on the road to take on Big Ben, coming off one of his worst games as a pro, and the offense looked absolutely terrible. Uh, I, I think they get it sorted out. I, I still believe in this offense. I still believe in the weapons around him. Obviously, with Juju, with James Conner, the ancillary pieces, there's still enough there for me to believe that this Pittsburgh offense is way better than what they put on the field in week one, and I think they take it out on the Seahawks this week. Sit them on your bench. Uh, do not hate it, Bets. It is a solid call. All right. I am going to go with, I think, a very surprising matchup here. So you tell me uh, whether I'm off the reservation. But I'm going to go ahead and sit the Houston Texans against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I feel like the Texans have been considered a top 10 defense for quite some time now. And the Jaguars have probably been considered a target for DSTs for a little while now. But there's a couple things here that, that have me picking the Texans. Number one, the Texans lost Jadavian Clowney. And by lost, I mean traded him away. Uh, and 
in week one, it showed. Because Jadavian Clowney was a great run stopper. He was not just a pass rusher. He was great against the run. And the Texans have been awful against the pass, but decent against the run for the past couple years. In week one, they were awful against both. The Saints, who admittedly are a great offense, but still, the Saints threw for 362 yards and ran for 148 yards. Is is not good. By the way, J.J. Watt, I don't know if you saw this. You should probably follow the NFL Research Twitter account, by the way, Bets, and all of you listeners. Um, I run that account. Where can we find that at? Most of the week. Uh, at NFL Research. Okay, doing it right now. Yeah. Uh, I run that account most of the week. We tweeted, or I, we, we, I, whatever. We tweeted on, uh, what was this, Monday night? Yeah, Monday night. J.J. Watt did not have a tackle or a quarterback hit in this game. Is the first time that has ever happened to him in his 105 career games. I'm not going to say that missing Jadavion Clowney on the other side has turned J.J. Watt into a dud or anything like that, but I think that not having him there has taken the one strength that the Texans had on defense and thrown it out the window, and now they are just bad all around. And the Jaguars' run offense has been very good, so they can now beat the Texans in the one place that the Texans could have maybe stopped them. Meanwhile, since the start of 2018, the Texans are the 28th-ranked pass defense in the NFL, and it apparently Gardner Minshew is capable enough to put up some numbers. So I think that the Jaguars can hit the Texans where it hurts. I think that this could end up being more of a high-scoring game than we maybe would expect, and uh, I am willing to sit the Texans' defense in this game. Oh, man, you just made a really compelling argument for it, but mm. I feel like what Gardner Minshew did last week was a fluke. I think I'm probably still- and and we did we did agree already that it was a product of the Kansas City Chiefs' bad pass defense. But my point is that the Texans also have a bad pass defense. Oh sure, sure. I just think the opportunity for turnovers could be there. I mean, we just saw the San Francisco defense finishes the top overall scoring defense in fantasy in week one, and and they're obviously not a good defense. It's all because of Jameis, and I think the turnover potential could be there. For the Texans, so I'm still comfortable rolling them out there. I'm actually playing them in two leagues, so I hope that you are incorrect and you know nothing about fantasy football. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, well, that wraps up the show, Bets. Yeah, man, what a show! Uh, so much news, so many injuries, starts, sits, everything you had to know from fantasy football. Okada and I have you covered to dominate week two. Uh, I'm excited. For week two, I'm also sad because after week two, we'll be one-eighth done with the season, pretty much. Dude, I was having a good day. Don't bring me down. Don't bring me down. (laughs) Uh, But until until week two is over, we still have a whole week of football to enjoy. So uh, enjoy your week of football. Uh, If you are a Patreon subscriber, we will talk to you a little bit later this week on the Patreon pod. And if you're not, subscribe so that you can hear that podcast because it's very fun. Uh, Until then, or until next week, we are the Red Shirts.